Yeah, glad that you're in the room for all of you here at our Newark location. Big welcome to you and then our uh, Hokesson location. Much love to our Hokesson church family. I had the opportunity to gather at Hokesson last weekend. Had an incredible time. Love what God's doing in our Hokesson location. And then our online JFAM, everybody joining us online. Love and appreciate you. Yeah, let's all of our locations. Let's just give it up for each other. We are in week four, the final week of a series called Right on the Money, which is all about overcoming our anxiety around our finances and finding the path to real freedom. And next weekend, we're going to start a new series, as you heard, called Relationship Playbook. I'm very excited about this. It's going to be whatever your stage of life and whatever your relationship status, it's really built around giving us some simple skills that I believe can transform all of our relationships. I actually have been thinking about, praying about this series uh, for almost a year, believe it or not, since our last relationship series. Very excited about it. And then as you heard, uh, as well as you know, many of you, we've been in this season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you are here for the first time, something we do to kick off every year. And uh, tonight is our finale. It's day 21. And yeah, it's going to be amazing. Uh, it really is. Uh, we'll have worship together, prayer, communion. I've got a message I can't wait to bring uh, to you tonight that'll just fire you up for day 22 and beyond. So make sure you uh, plan to join us here at our Newark location, uh, 7.30. So if there happens to be, I don't know, a sporting event or anything this afternoon. Um, so, you know, we've, we've, we've chosen two different kinds of worship based on the outcome. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. So it's going to be great. As we jump into the final message of right on the money, I wonder how many of us have ever had a moment in our lives when we thought something has to give. Have you had a moment like that? Something has to give. Maybe it was with your schedule or your job or your kids or maybe your parents. Just something has to give. And I think a lot of us have experienced that when it comes to our money as well. Something has to give. I know I have. When I was in my 20s, I found myself uh, living paycheck to paycheck, had kind of a financial change that happened in my life and was, was fairly newly married. And, and uh, then kids came along and Susie, my wife, and I found ourselves all of a sudden living paycheck to paycheck. We were racking up credit card debt, just slowly but surely getting more and more in debt and finally came to the place where we realized something has to give, like something, this just cannot go on this way. And we've seen during this series that whatever we believe about God or church, and we're coming from all different places. A lot of us, you know, we're followers of Jesus. We're growing in our faith. But some of us are here today. You're in one of our physical locations. You're online. You're not quite sure what you believe about God and church. You're a little freaked out that we're going to talk about money at church because you're not sure what you think of that. And I get all of that. But the reality is for all of us, no matter where we land, money is the thing that most of us will think more about, work more for, worry more over, and plan our futures more around than almost anything else during our lifetime. So week one, we saw that the biggest sign we're getting money wrong is actually the ongoing presence of worry in our lives around our finances. And we saw that freedom comes when we realize our lives are more than stuff. We have enough because our lives are more then stuff. Week two, we found out that good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Come on, somebody. We read it a lot that weekend. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. That third venti ice caramel latte that wasn't in the budget 
is the great work of the devil in our lives. Okay, so we've, we, you had to be here. Go back and watch the message. It's, it'll all make sense. But we saw that, and then we need a, a plan. We need a, a budget and a commitment to stick to it. If all finance is not just, I'm spiritually trusting God, it's I'm practically managing what he's given me in a wise way. And then last weekend, we saw that part of that plan involves saving, not, not uh, leaving our lives with no margin, but we can procrastinate and have pennies, or we can prepare and have plenty. And plenty doesn't just mean you know we're rich in material terms, but it means we've got margin in our lives so we can have peace in our lives. So the truth is, though, that's not all there is to the money thing. Because I think most of us, again, whatever we believe about God, faith, would agree with most of what I just said and would agree with most of the first three messages. Yeah, I know I shouldn't worry. I should have a budget. I should probably have some margin. But all of us know that's not quite all there is to the money thing. Because the truth is, we can do all of that and still be missing something. And some of us have been there. We're like, man, I, I have a budget. Like, I... I'm doing my best. I'm not overspending. I'm saving. It's something just, I'm still kind of slogging my way through this. Something else has to give. So the question is, what is it? What's that last missing piece when it comes to financial freedom? So to find out today, we're going to go back almost to the very beginning of the story of God and humanity. We're going to look at the book of Genesis in the Bible, Genesis, of course, uh, tells us uh, the beginning, the creation, including that God created Adam and Eve, the first man and woman. And good news is they dug each other. So it was like they, they were like, yeah, this works. So they got married as a result of that. And uh, it was a destination wedding, had it in a very nice garden. Um, only one person on the guest list, but it was the creator of the universe. So the gifts had to be pretty solid. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so they got married, and then they had kids. The first two uh, kids that we read about were brothers named Cain and Abel. And here's what we read about Cain and Abel in Genesis 4, that when they grew up, they got jobs, which is what you're supposed to do when you grow up. Okay. All right. Abel became a shepherd, <laughs> while Cain got a job as a farmer. He cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. And Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. So this final message of right on the money, we're going to talk about giving it. So if you're here for the first time, again, kind of checking out what church is all about, you might be thinking, seriously, like, finally come to church and it's the giving money message? <laughs> so I hear you. Good news. If you don't know what you believe about Jesus yet, you don't have to buy into any of this. If you want to listen to what I have to say, you can, you can take it to school or work and use it to quiz your Christian friends. Highly encourage you to do that. But you can be like, I'm not a Christian. This is for you. Are you doing this? You'll have a lot of fun. Uh, but if you don't know what you believe about Jesus yet, there is one part of this message you're really going to want to hear. It just has nothing to do with giving money. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But first, here's Cain and Abel's story. Two brothers, they grow up, get jobs. Cain gets a job as a farmer. For a, har for a farmer, harvest is payday, right? That's payday. It's like, that's the Friday. You collect your crops, you see what you end up with. So Cain, what does he do? 
He gets paid, it's payday, and he brings part of his income as a gift to the Lord. It's clear he believes in God and he brings this gift to the Lord. Now, this is pretty remarkable because this is long before there are any laws or rules in the Old Testament about giving gifts to God. It's long before Jesus came and talked about generosity and not storing up treasures on earth, but storing up treasures in heaven. It's before all of that. In fact, as far as we know, God never asked Cain to give anything. There are no laws yet. There are no rules yet. Cain just wants to give. He's just a generous guy. So he brings a gift to the Lord. His brother Abel, he grows up, he gets a job as a shepherd or senior livestock specialist, depending on you know, how you write job descriptions. And so he's taking care of sheep. And when you're a shepherd, when your flock reproduces, that's payday. Like, that's second Friday. Like that's, that's when your income comes in. So what does Abel do? He brings part of his income as a gift to the Lord. Again, there's no law. There's no evidence that the, God requested it or asked for it, or even that their parents taught. Maybe their parents taught them they should give, but we don't read that. We just read that Abel wants to give. So far, so good, right? Two bros just hanging out, being generous. What a great story. Thanks for coming. But there's a plot twist. Here it is. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. To which the only appropriate response is, say what? What in the world? Like, Here's what I thought as I was preparing for this weekend. I have two kids, two great kids, by the way, and my kids sometimes give me gifts. How many of us parents, your kids give you gifts? How many parents wish your kids would give you gifts? How many of us? Okay, so my, they don't do it all the time, but they'll give me gifts sometimes. And I, I was trying to think, I have two kids, so I can relate. And I was trying to think, if, if my kids brought me gifts, I was trying to imagine myself saying, oh, to one of them, thank you. I accept your gift and I accept you. And then to the other one, no. No, it's... It's not a good gift, and I'm really starting to question whether you're even a good person. <laughs> I mean, why would God accept Abel and his gift, but not Cain and his gift? This is just, it's kind of wild. So let's look at it again and see if we can figure it out. Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. So far, so good. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. Both of them got paid. Both of them gave part of it to God. No law, no rule. This was not a sacrifice yet. Those come much later. It's just a gift. It's described that way as a gift to the Lord. Crops from the farmer, lambs from the shepherd. So what's up with this? I mean, Cain presented some of his crops. That's what we think of when we think of giving. I have this much, I'm going to take some and I'm going to be generous with it. Abel brought the best portions of the firstborn lambs. What's the big deal with that? Well, best is pretty straightforward, right? All of us can kind of imagine what best means. It means that Abel did not look through his flock and go, oh, I don't really like that sheep. I don't need that one. I'll give that one to God. He did not choose from the donate pile, right? Like that's either going to goodwill or God. That's one or the other. That sheep's not staying with me. That's not what happened. Abel brought his best. He looked at all of his sheep and he said, where's the very best one? Or where are the very best ones? 
That's what I'm going to give to God. But the firstborn thing is a little bit more complicated. Why is that a big deal? Well, it means that Abel decided to give before he knew whether or not there would be any more yet. So he didn't wait. It's like, man, there are a lot of sheep being born. Good time to give. Let me make sure I got enough for myself first. And then because there's a lot, there'll be some left over. I'll give that to God. No, he set aside the one that was born first and said, that is what I'm going to give to God. And then if a lot more sheep come, great. If no more sheep come, God will provide. If a few more sheep come, I'll be content. But I'm going to set aside my first and I'm going to trust God. Best first. Best first. How many crops did Cain give God? We don't know. Some. He just brought some. The amount does not seem to be the main point. How many lambs did Abel give God? We don't know. The amount does not seem to be the main point. What we do know is that Cain brought some of his crops. Abel brought the best and the first. Best first. Best first. And God accepted Abel and his giving but not Cain and his giving. And you can imagine that this made Cain very angry. And he looked dejected. He looked down. He was like, he was just, I have a friend who calls it, we talk a lot about where we are spiritually and emotionally. Sometimes he'll say, I'm in the sunken place. <laughs> Cain was in the sunken place. He was like, this is not a good day, man. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected, so down, so discouraged? You ever been angry at God? How many of us would just be honest, all of our locations, just be honest that we've had a moment. We've been angry at God. I have. When our son uh, was diagnosed with a, a severe developmental disorder at age two, I was, man, I had a point. I just, I got mad. I was angry. I was grieving, and then I just had this moment where it's was like, God, why? Why is this happening to my boy? And Cain was there. This was not just like a bad moment. He was very angry. And God, and this is sometimes a difficult thing with God. God doesn't say, oh. God says, why, why are you so angry? And it's not because God doesn't know the answer. He's just giving Cain an opportunity to dig deep. God says, why are you so angry? And I'm sure Cain is thinking, are you kidding me? Why am I angry? Because I brought some of my... I didn't have to do that, God, but I brought some of my crops to you, and it wasn't enough. Maybe Cain was like, you know, there are other people, they don't bring anything to you. Like, I work with a guy, but I brought some of my crops. Why do you not accept my gift? Why do you not accept me? I brought you my prayers. I brought you going to my church some weekends sometimes. I brought you serving every once in a while. I brought you that time in 2020 when I was like, yeah, I'm going to be generous because there's a crisis. I brought you some. I brought you my trying to be a good person. Why is that not enough? And God says this, and just a warning, it's intense. You will be accepted if you do what is right. Not if you did, not if you had the intention. Not if, you will accept it, be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. In other words, Cain, something has to give, man. You, 
Something's going to have to change in the way you see this thing, in the way you see me, in the way you see what you have, in the way you see where it came from, because sin is like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon, my man. Okay, only four people know what that's a reference to. That's all right. It's okay. It's okay. Sin is just waiting. Sin has got moves, bro. You haven't even seen. And if you walk into this whole sin thing, you're like, man, I'm just going to do this my way and just kind of figure it out. I'm telling you, sin is going to throw you down, Cain. You got to get right. You got to get right on the crops. You got to get right on the money. When Susie and I first got married, uh, we moved into a one-bedroom apartment. It was all we could afford, and we could barely afford it. And, uh, man, we just, we were broke. You know, we were kind of stressed out about it at the time. It's funny now, I look back and I think about some of, our, some of our best memories were in that season. But our first Christmas, we got a little four-foot Christmas tree, and we put it on top of a cardboard box, because that was all we could afford. And I remember our first Christmas together... Uh, Susie had chosen, as she always does, still to this day, had chosen a, a few very thoughtful gifts for me. We didn't have a lot of money, so she didn't have a big budget to use, but she had really been thoughtful. And she bought me things, honestly, I didn't really need, but I could tell she put thought into them. It was very meaningful. And I got Susie two stools for the breakfast counter in our apartment and a frying pan. Could not make this up. I would not make this up. Some of you who are new to this church are going, when's the last time you saw her? <laughs> we are still married. It's what we teach here about the grace of God <laughs> and the mercy of his people. All right, so that's what we needed. So I was like, oh, great. I got this built-in opportunity called Christmas. I'm going to give her some stuff. I'm just going to bring some stuff that kind of it's good for her. And it's good for me. And Susie was so disappointed because I used this opportunity to demonstrate very clearly to her, you are not worthy of my best. And you are not first. Now, she still loved me because she's a really amazing person. And God still loved Cain because he's a really amazing God. But he was deeply disappointed by his gift because it wasn't his best and it wasn't his first. So it sent a message. I'm going to do something. This is not going to be my best because God, you're not really first. Now, if you're not a Christian, again, no pressure to believe any of this, but if you believe in Jesus, chances are good. Here's what I know. You get giving at some level, right? I don't think any of us can have our hearts transformed by Jesus and then be like, yeah, but I'm just gonna be stingy. I like, there's something about it. If you get to know Jesus, you, you get giving. Like, it's just part of who he is and his character. And if he's leader and Lord of our lives, we're, we're gonna, like, this is gonna make, just like you get prayer. Like, if you're, you get it. Whether or not you do it consistently, you, you get the concept. You get worship. Like, you, you get forgiveness. Like we, we get these things. And so we might think, well, I'm a follower of Jesus that God wants me to give, but that's not really true. Cause that's what Cain thought. 
Well, yeah, I got a God. He's, you know, he's a good God. I got some crops. I'm gonna, obviously, I need to bring him some. It's not what God wanted. It's not what God wants. God does not want us just to give. He wants us to give our best and our first. To be honest, I've searched the Bible and I can't find any other type of gift he will accept. It's his criteria. And this is why some of us who are followers of Jesus never find real freedom financially in this area. Because we keep bringing God some of our crops and wondering why he's not more excited about it. Why it doesn't work. God, I brought you some. And God's like, great. Thanks for two stools and a frying pan. That's fantastic. Thanks for taking care of your other gods first and then bringing me some. So we tell ourselves, okay, I'm gonna, let me pay my bills first and then I'm a Christian, so I'm gonna give some. Let me, let me see if there's any left over and then, oh man, I'm a, I follow Jesus, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna give some. Let me, when I reach a certain income level, I'm going to be so generous. Like when, I, when my pay goes up, you just watch out. But for now, I'm just some. It's not that we don't ever give. Maybe there's some of us that not even haven't gotten there yet. But for most of us, it's not that we don't ever give. Almost nobody gives nothing who knows Jesus. It's just that it's not our best. It's not first. And this matters because God is not broke. I don't care what preacher has insinuated he is. He is not broke. God's not like, I hope they give. I don't know if I can keep heaven running. The light bill is enormous. Like, (laughs) that's not what's going on. God doesn't really need anything from us. There's nothing we could give him that it's like, oh, thank you. Have you ever heard that old saying, what do you give the person who has everything? Like God, like he does not need anything, but he desperately desires for his people to see him in his true light as worthy of our best. And he's urgently desiring, yeah, that we would trust him enough to put him first. So to find real financial freedom, something has to give. And that something is us. The budget's important. The mentality's important. The setting some aside is important. But for all of us who are followers of Jesus, the thing that has to give is us. So how much should we give? I don't know. God does not measure amounts the same way we do. This is going to be different. Like if you're a high school student working a part-time job or if you're the CEO of a mid-sized company, the amount's going to be drastically different. It's just not measured the same way. And for a lot of us, we're like, I'm neither of those things. I know. So a lot of us, we're in between. We got to figure it out. But one thing is clear. Listen, whatever our income, if we want to be right on the money spiritually with God, What we give is supposed to be our best, meaning the significance of the amount 
compared to what we use the rest of our money for, makes it very clear that nothing matters more to us than God. And it's supposed to be first, meaning the order in which we give. Before we've paid our bills, taken care of any other obligations, chased after any other dreams, should make it crystal clear, nothing in our lives comes before our God. Best first. What does God want me to give? Best first. That's the pattern over and over again. Cain brought some. Abel said, I think I'm getting to know this God. I think I get it. Best first. So wait a minute. Are you saying that giving makes us right with God? Actually, yes, but not our giving. See, thousands of years after Cain didn't give his best and his first and kind of became the beginning point of all of us, I'm not going to presume about you, but can I just tell you there have been a lot of areas in my life where I have not given my best and first, and I'm not just talking financially. And before I met Jesus, that separated me from God. I didn't have a relationship with God, no matter how much I tried, because I could not bring a gift good enough or worthy enough to be accepted by the God who created the universe. So thousands of years after Cain didn't give his best and his first to save all of us who haven't given our best and our first in any area, God gave. Jesus said it this way, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one best and only first son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So remember earlier when I said if you're not a Christian, there's gonna be one part of this message you really are gonna wanna hear? That's it. Because none of us could give or do anything to earn our way to God. None of us. And that's important because for some of you, everything you've heard about religion is what you should do for God. When the truth is, the good news about Jesus is what God has done for us. He gave his best and his first. And now this is how we are accepted by God. We are made right with God through giving. Just not ours. His. He gave his son so that we could have real relationship with him. And now through what he gave us, his best and his first, we have life, we have freedom, we have hope, we have purpose. God knew for that to be a reality, someone had to give. And that someone was God. So he gave so we could know him. Which is why all of us who believe that good news reflect that in our lives. As we continue to stand on the foundation of what Jesus did, that we did nothing to earn or give our way to God, that we can do nothing worthy enough to give or earn our way to God, what do we do? We begin to live our lives by being like God. And we begin to give our best and our first, not just with our money. Can I tell you one of the ways to be extremely frustrated in your life? Go part way with God. 
This is a recipe for long-term frustration. Go part way with God. So no, we don't live that way. We live as a reflection of what God has done for us. We bring our best and our first. And when it comes to our money, we bring our best and our first in our giving. There's actually a plan for this in the Bible, just like there's a plan for worship to gather like this, just like there's a plan for doing life with other believers in groups. You can see that in Acts 2. We didn't come up with that. It's in the Bible, just like there's a plan for connecting with God through prayer. There is a plan for giving our best and first in the Bible. It's called tithing. It's giving the first 10% of what we earn back to what matters to God through a community of faith. And we talked about this a little bit a couple of weeks ago. Like, is that a commandment? It's an invitation. And God says, hey, this is a way you can consistently put me first. Some of us have heard that tithing means 10%, but it actually doesn't. It's not what that word means. It means the first 10%. Because God, from what I can tell, isn't interested in the third 10%. Because he's not broke. This is going to mess with us. He's not even moved by the last 50% or the second 80%. Best, first. That's the pattern over and over again. And so as followers of Jesus, when we bring our tithe, when we bring our first and we offer it back to God, we're consistently giving our first to make it clear, God, you are the best thing that ever happened to me. And you are first in my money. Because financial freedom means something has to give. And that something is us. And it's important because if I just helped you get the budget right and the mentality right and the save some right, you wouldn't be any better off long term. Because this life is not all there is. So this means we're going to have to change the way we see money. If we want to go all in with God, we have to change the way we see it. From it's mine to do what I want with. That's what Cain thought. So he's like, it's mine to do what I want with, so I just bring some. To it's God's to use to honor him. We got to change from the numbers don't add up. Let me work out the math first. To this is not a step of rationality. This is a step of faith to trust in the God who created me. Why would we trust God with our souls for eternity and not trust him with the money that's here today and gone tomorrow? That doesn't make any sense. So we change the way we see it and we give our best and our first, not our last and our leftover. And again, I wanna say it one more time. If you don't consider yourself a Christian, there should be something about this that messes with you, that we would actually take our faith this seriously. That we would say, no, I, he's, he's not just Lord, like on the weekend I sing a few songs. and No, he's like Lord of my, like he calls the shots in my life. Because that's the only Jesus we're following, by the way. So we give our best and our first. So a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you a way that beginning of 2023, if you want to be a part of this, if you want to like make a, a tangible commitment, sometimes it helps to take a tangible step. That at the beginning of the year, we do this thing called the God First Challenge. And there's a card in the back of the seat in front of you. If you're in one of our physical rooms right now, Newark Cocas, and if you're online, you can text God first, all one word, the 94,000 will get you a digital version of that. So grab that or access that online and just take a look at it for a moment. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is a way to say beginning of 2023, I'm gonna get right on the money with God. I'm gonna put God first in my life. 
And there are three options with the God First Challenge. If you're new to this idea of not just bringing some, but giving consistently, if that's new for you, we encourage you, do it for 90 days. Just trust God for the next 90 days. Bring the first, the tithe, the first 10%. If you've been doing that this year, make a commitment. I'm gonna continue to put God first, but I'm not gonna stop there. I'm gonna pray that God would increase my generosity in every area of my life, not just financially, but in my relationships. As we get ready to go into this relationship series, what would your relationships look like? Not if the other person became more generous, because that's what we're always like, if they would just change, if you became more generous. And then the third option is, I believe in that, I'm, I'm consistently giving my first, but I think God might be leading me to give above and beyond, because the tithe is not like a destination, it's a starting point. And I'm gonna pray about how God would work through what I have to change the world. So fill that in, choose one of those options, and then hang on to that card if you're in the room. Keep that uh, in front of you if you're online. And let me close with this. Why do we as followers of Jesus give our first? We do it to remind ourselves every pay period. Our God is worthy. Our God is faithful. And our God is first in our lives. We give to remind ourselves that we have enough because our lives are more than stuff. Did you know the act of putting God first financially is a continual reminder to your soul that you are more than what you own. You are more than what you're wearing. You are more than what's parked in your driveway. You are more than what the world sees. So we give. We give because Jesus taught us to take care of those in need and to serve the poor and to help those who are hungry. We give to do that as a church family. And we give because we're a part of something bigger than ourselves, a community of faith that's making a difference in Journey City and around the world. We give because when we get to the end of our lives, we want to be able to look back and say, God, it's very clear from the way I stewarded and managed what you gave me that you were the best thing that ever happened to me first in my finances. So how much should you give? I don't know. I just know it should be your best and your first. Because real freedom when it comes to money means someone has to give. And that someone is you. And it's me. And if you receive that today as God's word, I wonder if you're in one of our rooms, would you just lift your hand and hold it up all over the room? If, I wanna pray a blessing over you. And if you're online, just lift a hand if you would say, I want that, I wanna put God first in this area. I don't wanna keep just having the intention. This is the year, I just, I just do it. I just go all in with God. And let me pray it over you. Father, we come to you. We're in the presence of the most generous being there is, the God of the universe. God, you just ooze generosity. When we think about what you did for us, that you gave your one and only son so that we could know you, the gift of Jesus. God, our minds are overwhelmed. Our hearts are overwhelmed. We were in sin. Jesus, you died to save us from our sins. You forgave us and washed us clean. We have the promise of your presence in this life and the promise of eternity forever with you. We're grateful. Thank you, God. We could never earn that. But may the rest of our lives demonstrate how much we appreciate that. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take just one more moment. Speak to any of you today who, as I mentioned a couple of times, you, you've been kind of coming to church, maybe trying to figure out what you believe. You're, maybe you're new to this. Do you know what Cain's biggest problem was? 
his biggest problem was not what he gave or didn't give. His biggest problem was that he didn't have someone to give on his behalf. But we do. That's the good news about Jesus. Listen, if you don't know God in a real way for yourself, you're why Jesus came. You're why he died. To forgive you, to wash you clean, to eliminate the barrier between you and God. You know you've felt it. You want God in your life, but you just can't get there. The way to know God is through faith in his son, Jesus. And if you wanna take that step today to begin following Jesus, I'm gonna lead us in prayer again, and this is your opportunity, this is your moment. So I want everyone to join me, just open your heart up big to God, all of our locations. And if that's you, right where you are, whisper out a prayer of faith, something like this. Jesus, today, I surrender my life to you. I believe in you, that you died to save me. And from this moment on, I wanna follow you. Give me the power to do that. And if that's you, while everyone around you stays focused on God, if you would say, I want to be included in that prayer, I'm putting my faith in Jesus today. Would you lift your hand? Just hold it up high if you're in the room. You're a new art guest. Hokessa, hold it up high. I'm putting my faith in Jesus today, trusting him with my life. If you're online, type the word faith in the comments, whatever platform you're on. And then before you leave, in person or online, fill in that connect card and let us know you took that step. We want to celebrate it with you. But for right now, Journey, can we give the one who gave his best and first for us all of our praise? Come on, let's do that together.